is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 509, recorded Tuesday, December the 15th, 2020. Welcome, everyone, to the show, including you, Jason. How are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Plugging away, doing my thing, making it work, doing it right on the wrong side of town. (laughs) That kind of thing. Sounds like all the perfect approaches to everything. Yep. Except for that last one. All right. Well, that that's good, man. It is uh, the middle of December. We're sort of in the wind down towards the holidays, I think, now. I mean, Christmas does fall at the end of next week. So, uh, you know, this is my last week of work for uh, the Christmas break, more or less. I might have a few things to do early next week, but I feel like we're winding down, although I'm as busy as ever. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also off, uh, next week for a couple of weeks for the holiday break, but, uh, uh, definitely things are not winding down for me. They're <laughs> ramping up. They're ramping up. Chugging along, screaming away. Feels like a freight train coming at you and you can't get off the tracks. Wow. That's no good. Yeah. That's not what Christmas is supposed to feel like. Nope. Just run. The only, the only option is to run and try and run as fast as a train. So it don't run, run you over. Wow. That's not going to work. Well, I'm sorry that Christmas is a freight train barreling down on you, Jason, but maybe maybe once it's all over with, you'll have a, a few minutes to take it easy. But not yet, because we have a podcast to do tonight. We have work to finish, and that's yep. what we are here to do right now. So, as I announced on Facebook about a week ago, we are going to be talking about the new movie, The New Mutants, mm-hmm. <laughs> this week on the show. But we also have a bunch of Walking Dead news I would like to report on. Uh, But first, I just want to circle back to the final two episodes of The Walking Dead World Beyond and take a look at the viewership numbers for those two, because we didn't have a chance to do that last time we recorded. Right. So if you recall, we we, uh, recorded a podcast about Walking Dead World Beyond Episode 9, The Deepest Cut, and Episode 10, In This Life, a couple of weeks ago. And both of those episodes had the same number of viewers, which isn't too surprising considering they aired back-to-back on the same night. Um, And it was only 0.62 million, so about 620,000 people watched it live on AMC. And that actually holds steady from the week before, which I had, I think, 0.63 million. Right. Okay. So nobody rage quit in the middle there. They're just like, I watched one episode and it's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. No, nobody really did that. They, they stuck through it. They watched both of them. And frankly, they were, uh, well, I think it was a decent ending to the season. So I'm not surprised people stuck with it sort of in the night, but, uh, right. Or at least the, the same number of people rage quit as went, oh shit, that show is on and watch the second one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it kind of works out in the wash. That's true. The people they lost on episode nine, they gained more on episode 10. So it, yep. you're right. It just works out. <laughs> Anyways, that's, that's where that fell. And, uh, we've got no more walking dead TV on until the end of February. And who knows when the hell world beyond is going to be back at this point, but some, someday it will for season two. And that'll be that for that show. Uh, and who the hell knows if February will ever get here, <laughs> right? There might not be a February. You know, you know we might look back at to the year 2020 and go, 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, that was a pretty good year. Oh God. <laughs> You're saying like when February comes around of next year, if it does, we look back and go, geez, things were, were okay during. No, that's January. Oh. And then there is no February. That's what Ooh. I'm envisioning at this point. Oh my God. Well, let's hope that's <laughs> not the case, but, uh, yeah. you know, I've seen those memes online where it's like, you know, December 31st, 1159 PM. And it switches over to December 32nd, twelve oh one AM. And 2020 yep. never ends. <laughs> uh, that's probably more likely. Oh, God. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Well, all right. Let's chat about some Walking Dead news. Sure. The Walking Dead News. All right. A big chunk of the news this week, Jason, is kind of a Scott Gimple update because mm. he's been giving a lot of interviews recently and... They're all about the state of the Walking Dead universe or what's happened now that the shows have all wrapped up for the year and what we have coming up in the future. So I pulled a bunch of clips, I mean, not clips, uh, quotes from a lot of these interviews, and some of them are kind of revealing, some of them are a little bit interesting. You know, people tend to ask about what's coming next, and they, they have questions about what we just saw on all these shows. So we'll run through it here and uh, you let me know if, if anything sounds really interesting or if there's any really valuable information in this set of quotes. Okay. I'll let you know. Sounds good. So he spoke to insider insider.com on a variety of walking dead topics. And he was asked if Rick is at the CRM facility, which we know is in Ithaca, New York, which is where the gang on World Beyond was headed. Right. Is Rick there? And he actually gave a pretty straight answer to this one. He said, you know what? I'm going to say this because I think it's critical to be straight with you. He is not at that facility, definitively. Some people might be annoyed that I'm saying that, but I just, I wouldn't want people expecting that. Do we find out more about this mythology that Rick is tied up in? Absolutely. Is Rick hanging out there? No, he is not. Could Rick have ever been there? Certainly possible, but we're not going to be rolling up to him hanging out there. Okay. I think that's good. I think that's a good answer. I think it's the right thing to say. I don't think the, uh, I like the fact that he's not jerking us around Mm -hmm. saying, well, he could be there. He couldn't be there. And then all of a sudden he's not there. I I think it's uh, important to set that level set, that expectation. I think that was, uh, was well done. Hooray for him. I applaud it. I think so too. And he could have easily just said, maybe, maybe not. It seems like it, or it doesn't seem like it, but he didn't. He told us Rick's not there. He may have been there in the past, but right now he's gone. So we're not going to see Rick at that location. If that's even where the folks on World Beyond end up, who knows what happens in season two, right? That's right. So then he was asked if World, you know, did World Beyond officially reveal what the A and the B people mean? What, who's an A and who's a B? Uh-huh. And he said, the way we revealed it on the show is consistent with how it is in the universe, but I'm not going to break it down any more than what the show did. So a little, a little more vague there. Yes, but at least there is this semblance of transparency there. I mean, it's, uh, he's sort of saying something without saying something. He's saying, I'm not going to really break it down for you, but it means the same thing. Well, the interviewer then followed up with 
the a question about how each of those test subjects were labeled with an A. And right. he said, I mean, that's right up there on the screen. That's a totally fair play. We knew what we were doing there. Well, uh, again, I applaud this answer. <laughs> well, look at this, man. So far, Gimple is like two for two on good answers. He's two, he's two for two. Yeah. He's doing well. He is. All right. Well, that's good. I think that basically means that, you know, test subject A, whatever, whatever, is an A. And we might have test subject Bs at some other point in the season. Uh, right. You know, unless B means something completely different, which we think it does. But at the very least, those A's seem to be indicative of these are A type people. Mm -hmm. All right. So asked whether, see, this is about Walking Dead season 11. And he was asked if it will be two 12 episode halves or three eight episode thirds. Okay. How are they going to broadcast uh, season 11? And he said, I'm fairly sure it's an A, B, and a C. I'm not 100% sure. So I think even if I were to give you an answer on that now, it very well could change. I will say that eight episode blocks are kind of our sweet spot. I think it's a good bet, but I don't want to totally embarrass myself when a different decision is made. So what he's saying here is just that we haven't yeah. decided yet. Yeah. Also a good answer. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, he even admitted that, you know, we like to do eight episode blocks. So if we have 24, there's a good chance we're going to do three blocks, not two of 12, because that's not how we write essentially what he's getting at. I kind of, I kind of wish that in any other aspect of my life, if I asked three direct questions, I got three good answers like that. I think I'd probably break down and cry. <laughs> so sure, those are good. I, I applaud Scott Gimple. I want to ask him all the questions I have so that he may answer them without humming and hawing or various other non-answers. Yeah. Like, let me check. <laughs> Let me get back to you on that. And then you have to follow up seven or eight times. I'm going to circle back with my team and I'll respond le next week. <laughs> that's right. We don't want that kind of stuff. Well, that's good. So a, a few other quick notes from this interview with uh, Insider. Uh, apparently they shot the six new episodes for season 10.5 in just six weeks. So they're all shot, they're done, and then they're working on post. Super. Yeah. He said that the Here's Negan episode has always been a quote unquote thing, but the addition of these new episodes sped it up. So it sounds like they were always thinking about doing this, but they just hadn't got around to it or they hadn't sort of fit it into the Walking Dead schedule until these six new episodes came up on account of the pandemic and they thought now would be a perfect time. So that's kind of nice. fun. Maybe, that's who good. knows, maybe it was kind of being written for a while now for all we know. Yeah, or at least, you know, uh, outlined and worked on and, right. you know, it's been in the backlog and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we got some time. Let's see, no, that one we can't do. That's just, that's too intensive. That's too, that, that doesn't fit with the the current thing and they juggle things around. It's like, okay, that one, that one's a kind of a bottle episode. We can do that. We can get it done. Let's bring that up in the queue and, uh, and put it in production. Yeah, totally. You know, I think a big thing about these uh, extra episodes are they had to film them in ways that were a little bit more pandemic friendly, right? So they limited the number of people on set. They, they limited even including the cast, right? That's why we're getting episodes just about Carol and Daryl. And then yep. one just about Aaron and Father Gabe. And in this case, the Here's Negan is sort of Negan's story from that issue of the comic. And it's really about him 
and his wife Lucille. So they were able to keep the cast and crew a little bit smaller on these, which makes sense when you think about it. And if they're going to do one just about Negan and his, his wife, then there's a lot less characters to worry about and a lot less anger, uh, eh, anger, not anger, actors, <laughs> fewer <laughs> actors to uh, wrangle on set and stuff like that. So, yeah. And since they're married in real life, we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, isolating them. Yeah. They're already probably isolated together already. You got to think so. Yeah. You never know, but I, I hope they are. Well, I mean, if they're not, then, you know, why do this? <laughs> right. Then it makes right? No it doesn't sense. make any sense if they're not. Exactly. So do you remember the little card on it? That with PPP that Tara found all those years ago? Yeah, that Heath dropped. He didn't drop it, but that's what I think. Right. Well, Gimple says he knows what PPP means, and he hopes they will reveal it on the show. He said, although by the time they get to it, uh, we might have to make it mean something else. <laughs> right. So they've got so he had a plan even back then. He had a plan. It's never really happened, uh, but and plans can always change, I think is what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, this is, this is done all the time, right? It's, uh, you know, just because something looks like it's planned from the beginning, a lot of times it isn't. Even when they're doing a movie and they only do the whole, they shoot the whole movie in six weeks, uh, you know, it might not have a, a, a total plan. I was just watching a, a video on, uh, The Fugitive. You remember that with Harrison Ford and, uh, what's his eyebrows? I do. Tommy Lee uh, Jones? Is that Tommy the- Lee Jones. Yeah. Uh, so apparently Tommy Lee Jones won a Best Supporting Actor. Oscar for that role, uh, in that movie. First time an Oscar was ever won for a movie based on a television show. Piece of trivia. Anyway, so that even during that movie, they were rewriting things all the way through. They didn't know the ending when they started shooting. Wow. Right. So it's like even, and that was shot in six weeks or seven weeks or something like that. So. Uh, everybody pivots. They just, they, they change their mind. They try and make it work. Sometimes it's a glorious uh, thing like The Fugitive. And other times it's a complete and total miss because they drop things. And it's like, wow, well, that doesn't make sense. I can think of a very, very popular television show from the early 2000s that I absolutely loved. Uh, you know, I won't give it away what show it is, but I'll just say Boomers or Cylon. <laughs> and uh, move on from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so other times it's a complete miss. Uh, and other times it's obvious that they have no fucking clue what they're doing. And what then there is obviously, obviously no plan of action. But I applaud again, Scott Gimple, uh, for saying, I know what that means. We had a plan for that. But there's no reason that's stuck in stone, right? No. I don't have no. to do that. If it doesn't make sense later on, we'll just make it mean something else. Canon hasn't been written yet, right? They, they don't have to adhere to a canon because that piece of canon is not canon quite yet. So no. they can do that as they, as, they, as they wish, which is nice. Well, there you go. It may change or it may not. It may not even be part of the show for all we know. I want to know both though. If he changes the meaning of it, like at least, you know, write me an email personally and just let me know what it was originally supposed to mean. Perfect. Scott I'd Gimple? like to know. You can write into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and let us know. Uh, yeah, we don't necessarily need to post it on the air. I just, I'm curious. Very good. Uh, one more note here. He also reiterated that, of course, that they are still 100% working on the Rick Grimes movies. And he said they're charging forward, but just taking longer than expected. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, right. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> 
well, you know, speaking of, we don't really have a plan. Uh, yeah, we're moving forward with that. It's uh, completely, everything's under control. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a longer timeline than, <laughs> than we originally had anticipated, but the, uh, but we're making good progress. That's kind of what he said though, to be honest, he's like a year ago. And th- this may have been on the AMC uh, holiday special, which I'm going to get to, but he said something like a year ago, I was in London, I was working on the movies with Andy Lincoln, and we realized that, boy, we know how to make TV, but movies take a lot longer, and they're a lot different. And uh, I think they realized that at the time, and then decided that they're just going to take all the time they need. And then, of course, once again, you know, global pandemic hits the world, and that changes everything again. So um, he just wanted to reiterate, they're still working, and they're taking longer, but they're going to happen. And maybe yeah. they will benefit for the extra time taken, right? They'll be better because they had time to really nail them down. Yeah. And I would agree with that kind of sentiment. I've been working in software development uh, for decades now. And if you put me in charge of a video game, that video game's going to suck. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. It'd probably Even never come I, out. <laughs> it might never come out. And if it ever does, nobody's going to like it because I don't know it, you know, writing a a video game is much, much different than writing a piece of business software for users. Sure. So it's, uh, it's a different ball game. I can understand that. Totally. All right. Well, as long as they're still working on them, that's all I care about at this point. So Gimple also spoke to comicbook.com and we got these bits of information out of that interview. He was asked about Fear Season 6, Episode 8, which is the one we haven't, which is the next one. Of course, we haven't seen it yet. He said, I'm just going to say that 608 is a huge episode. Just the ramifications of it, the emotions of it, the intensity of it. I just saw the totally finished cut, everything we could get together, and I can't wait for people to see it. It's a really, really good episode. Mm, Dump truck full of bodies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You know, 608 would have been the mid-season finale. It wasn't able to get completed in time, so we've tacked it on to the second half of the season. So I... You know, I'm not surprised to hear him say this is a big one. There's a lot of, a lot of big stuff happens. This was supposed to be our big finale. We just couldn't do it. Instead, it's going to be the big premiere. So there you go. Cool. I hope he's not shitting us. I hope so too. He was asked about the possibility of Madison coming back. Because you remember, a lot of people think that is going to happen. Yeah. And he said, so the question was essentially like, what should fans think or feel Uh, about the idea of Madison coming back. And he said, keep hope alive. I was in a chat for New York Comic Con. I don't usually have Q&As directly with the fans like that, but it was weird because, yeah, there were a lot of questions about Madison. And it really is true that we're kicking a lot of things around, not just within, and he trails off. And he says, we've had discussions on fear. We've had discussions with Tales of the Walking Dead. And then even with the Walking Dead universe, there's all sorts of possibilities. <laughs> right. So she's dead, but not really. Is she? <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same thing as the PPP, right? We, you know, we meant for her to die, but we left the door open and there's no reason why she can't walk through that door again. Yeah. And the fact that he brought up the Tales of the Walking Dead, the anthology show that is coming in a couple of years... You know, that show, there's no reason it can't include self-contained stories from the past, from the future, from characters, from all the different Walking Dead shows. So Madison may not reappear on Fear the Walking Dead, but maybe we'll get a Madison story 
on Tales of the Walking Dead, right? So yeah, the, the universe is all connected as we are seeing, and that's what they're trying to do. So she could come back in some other way than show up on fear again. Right. It could be a flashback or it could be, uh, she survived that, uh, that fire, uh, but mm-hmm. died later at the end of the, you know, the, the tales of the walking dead episode. She definitively dies then, mm-hmm. then it becomes a, yes, she did survive. The fans were right. Or at the very least I was right, but she's not coming back because she's definitely, definitely dead now. <laughs> 100% fully dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I think he's leaving the door open for a lot of things there. I'm less and less convinced that she is going to show up on fear again, but there is still that big question of who saved Morgan. And, you know, I think it's still, there is still a possibility that it's her and who knows, maybe it could be one of the huge things that happens in episode eight. Gimple said true. Who knows? So then he was asked about how the six new episodes uh, coming in February fit into the story or timeline of the main show. And he said, it's in the aftermath of 10A and 10B. It is part of that story. It's connected to all that. Even here's Negan obviously has to do with Negan's backstory, but even then that is directly connected to the story coming out of season 10. Mm. So I like that answer too. You know, it's quick and uh sort of saying don't worry these aren't going to be throwaway episodes you can't skip them you need to watch them they're all part of the big story so we'll see you in february that's good do you think gimple was feeding them the questions you know, <laughs> you know these are the questions that i would like you to ask me because i have answers for these not don't ask me anything outside of this or i'm taking my ball and i'm going home i i mean maybe he's just come to the realization that he has to give us something once in a while rather than just be a douchebag and give non-answers all the time because he is getting a little better at this. Maybe it's just practice. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's why they do those, uh, you know, movie press tours, uh, where they go around and you, they interview the cast members or directors or what have you for movies. Yeah. And they're always in front of this, uh, movie backdrop. Uh, you know how those work? How do those work? Are you familiar with it? So they, uh, what happens is that, uh, they put the, they grab all the actors and producers and directors, whatever, and they, they rotate them through the sets and then people, the, um, the interviewers come in and sit down, but it's not their crew that's filming it. It's the press tours crew that is filming it. And if they like the results of that particular interview, they will hand the interviewer the tape at the end. Here's your tape. Go and air it. If they don't like it, if this guy, whoever's interviewing asks stupid questions, uh, gets them pissed off, uh, starts delving into questions that, uh, you know, personal questions, whatever the, uh, the press tour people just go, thank you very much for your time. Have a nice day. And you don't get shit. <laughs> Better so luck they, next time. They are completely in control of every aspect of those interviews. Wow. And that's why you always see this different interviewers, but the same actors on the same set. Because the interviewer does not provide any crew. They show up, they sit down, they ask questions, they walk out with a tape. Interesting. If they're nice. I, I knew all of that except for the fact that they didn't control the takeaway. That's, that seems crazy, but I, I see why the movie studios want to do it that way. Absolutely. They want to be in control of that. Of course. So this is the way they do it now. So, you know, this makes me wonder, you know, Scott Gimple, these are all great answers. They're all fantastic answers for, you know, well curated questions. I'm not sure of that, but 
You never Either know. way, good answers. I just they, uh, nobody seems to have asked him an answer where he didn't have a nice, definitive answer for. Okay, ask him a question. Yeah. So well, let's see. Yes, let's question. see how the next one goes. Asked about the future of the Walking Dead universe, and he said, "We have the Carol Daryl show, which in some ways is the centerpiece of what's moving forward." Tales, on the other hand, is completely different. There isn't even a regular cast to that show. I think there's going to be a mix of old favorites in various ways, whether they be specials, whether they be miniseries, whether they be on Tales, and then things like Carol and Daryl and rolled out in a way that we're not oversaturating people with it, but letting people have a steady flow of The Walking Dead in their lives. That's our goal. We want that to be both very different and then some of those familiar faces. There's reinvention of the existing, and then there's the new stuff. So that's, that's the future of the Walking Dead universe right there. There you go. Some new stuff, some old stuff, some core stuff, some peripheral stuff, all good stuff. And not overwhelming you with it all at once. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Walking Dead stuff. There sure is. Right? Yeah. Not just the TV and the comic books, but there's, you know, rides and amusement things and... Uh, video games and there's so much slot, merchandise, slot machines and slot machines books and, and you know, cakes and party favors. Totally. That's things. All right. Uh, now he was asked about Michonne. He, well, he, yeah, he was asked about Michonne and Gimple immediately started talking about the Rick movie, which is kind of interesting. Right. Now he didn't really reveal anything, but he did say people should pay attention to the way that Michonne left the show. And if you recall, Jason, she was following a trail, essentially hunting for Rick. She encounters two characters in the woods right at the end of her final episode. They needed help. And then we see that huge caravan of people traveling in the distance, right? Right. And the interviewer says, yeah, King Bach came and took her away. And I didn't know what that meant. So Gimple, but Gimple responded, there's something going on there. Yeah, King Bach was there. I'm very grateful to him. We probably haven't seen the end of him either. It was King Bach for a reason, but that was a pretty big group she was with. So who the hell is King Bach? And I assume it's Bach. It's B-A-C-H. So have you, right. have you ever heard of this person before? Well, I've heard of Johann Sebastian Bach, <laughs> but not, I don't think he was any kind of royalty. No, this is a different Bach. Um, okay. And so no, I, I have not heard of such a person. So I looked him up. A guy named Andrew Bachelor, who played the character of Bailey, which was the male character of the two that uh, Michonne encountered. Right. He is better known as King Bach, who is an internet personality and who was the most followed user on Vine that now defunct video sharing service. Yeah. So he, he was an internet celebrity. Oh, he's a real person, not a character in the show. Gotcha. He's, he's a real person. Incidentally, he was born in Toronto, just so you know where you and I are from. And uh, he moved to Florida when he was just two years old. So he's Canadian American. Um, also, the other character that was with Bailey was Aiden, played by actress Brita Wool. And she's rather... a a rather established actor. She has like 53 credits on IMDb, including shows like Mr. Mercedes glow and unreal. Right. So she's definitely got some acting chops. King Bach actually has done 
a variety of acting as well. So both of them, you could easily argue, are established actors. And if they're going, if they were going to be throwaway characters, I kind of wouldn't imagine they they would hire people that really had some acting chops in in those roles. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. In any case, Gimple seemed to indicate that you know it was important that they cast that guy. We haven't seen the last of him, and you know Michonne who was trying to help them get back to that giant caravan of people and sort of back to safety. I, th- I guess it's, he's clearly saying to us that wherever that group was going, Michonne's going to follow. And if she does end up showing up in Rick Grimes movies, somehow, you know, timeline is a little bit wonky, but somehow, or, or if she has some impact on the movies, the storyline from the movies, I don't really know. It feels like it's going to be drawn out of whoever that group is. And, uh, and maybe King Bach or Bailey will have a, uh, a play in that. Yeah. So did I say that the other character's name was Aiden? I think that sounds familiar. So probably. All right. Good. But I mean, other than that, it's all sort of speculation about what's going on with, uh, Michonne and, uh, but pay attention to the way she left the show, he says. Right. Okay. So something's going to happen there. Something is going to happen. Yeah. The only other quick note I have out of that interview with comicbook.com is that Gimple said there is no actual timetable right now for Tales of the Walking Dead, but he does hope to have more information on it in like early in the new year. So I think he just means that we don't really have a shooting schedule yet. We don't know when that's going to start. We still have more than a year, probably almost two years before that's going to be airing. In fact, maybe even more than that, because I imagine it's coming after season 11 is done. So yep. they got time. Um, but he said he'll let us know when things happen. <laughs> cool. Good for him. All right. Now, I mentioned The Walking Dead holiday special a short time ago. That was yeah. on AMC Plus this last uh, this past Sunday. I don't imagine you watched it, but I did. I did not. It was essentially an episode of Talking Dead virtual with Chris Hardwick. And, you know, it was mostly a big nothing burger, but they did have Emily Kinney back. She performed a Christmas song. It was nice. admittedly nice to see her again. Irony Singleton was on, another guy we haven't seen oh, much yeah. of in a while. Um, but then otherwise, uh, Kaylee Fleming was there, Judith, uh, Lauren Cohan, Josh McDermott, you know, a few other characters did another Christmas song, the, the 10... They did a 12 Days of Christmas parody as the 10 seasons of Walking Dead. It was okay. Harry Payton and, uh, um, you know, a few others. It was kind of fun. Not a lot came out of it. It wasn't that exciting. Um, the only information we really got about anything exciting was when Gimple and Angela Kang came on. Angela Kang revealed that Robert Patrick, you know, the guy from T2 yep. and later X-Files, he is guesting on the episode with Aaron and Father Gabe in February. Cool. Um, so we'll see him. That might be kind of fun. I didn't know the Terminator universe intersected with this. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, isn't it? Suddenly we have zombies <laughs> and Terminators. <laughs> yeah. T-1000, I didn't know that was going to show up. That's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be exciting. We'll have I to just see. assume everything Robert Patrick is in. He's the T-1000. I just, I just assume that uh, he might be completely 
uh, incognito. Like, obviously, he looks like Robert Patrick wherever he goes, which is kind of weird. It's uh, the way I think of it is sort of like the TARDIS. Uh, <laughs> so the TARDIS is, uh, you know, this uh, device that's supposed to be able to blend into any environment, but it's broken. It just, it shows up like a police box all the time. It doesn't morph into whatever it needs to do. Right. It does that in the books every now and again, and actually it's alive, but that's a whole other thing. So I think of him, uh, uh, Robert Patrick as the T-1000, as the TARDIS. He's the T-1000. He's just stuck in the Robert Patrick shape, <laughs> right? And right. then he goes from uh, job to job, up and down the dial. That's, sorry, the WKRB reference. Um but everything he does, he's the T-1000. I just assume that. I think that's a fair assumption. I mean, what else could explain it? Yeah, even, you know, stuff he was in like Die Hard 2 that happened before he was in Terminator. He's still the T-1000. Die Hard 2? A, he was in Die Hard 2, and B, that came out before Terminator 2? I believe so. I don't know, man. He was, looked old, really young. If not, it came out shortly afterwards. But yes, he was one of the bad guys. I don't know if you remember that John McClane went to another uh, under construction area of the airport. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of the bad guys there that he killed, that McClane killed. Okay. I don't recall. I, I feel like T2 came out before that movie, but I really have, that's just a feeling on my part. So I don't know. Either way, you're right. He was, he was the T-1000 then as well, because that's just who he is. Right. Okay. So Die Hard 2 is 1990. Now we'll take a look at uh, T2 Terminator Judgment Day, 1991. Okay. You're correct. There you go. Then. Yep. He, I knew he looked younger in uh, Die Hard. All right. Interesting. Back to Scott Gimple. Yeah. He said while he was talking on the Christmas special that... Two things, two things that are interesting. Number one, he said they're working on something with one of the great Walking Dead villains of all time, and it's coming together. That's it. <laughs> the funny thing is the Here's Negan episode feels like something with one of the great Walking Dead villains of all time, but that's announced. So why he wouldn't he just say that? So does this mean they're working on something with the governor? Does that mean it's a governor episode of tales of the walking dead which isn't coming for three years or whatever is there going to be some other villain character returning i mean there are others there's what's his name from terminus um you know that i I don't know that i call i generally though all the bad guys so but i guess that doesn't matter because they're they can they can do flashback episodes yeah it doesn't really matter if they're dead you know i i don't know i mean who knows what he means there for all we Strand? know, <laughs> for all we know, he's not even talking about a TV show episode, right? Maybe he's talking about a webisode or something else. You know, I don't know, but um, yeah. maybe he's talking about zombies, right? <laughs> Just in general, they're the bad guy the whole <laughs> series, right? So yeah. we're working on something with zombies, but he can't say that because it would be ridiculous. So he had to phrase it another way. People tend to think it's the governor because there actually is all kinds of Walking Dead governor story that has been unexplored on the TV shows, especially when you factor in all of Jay Bonansinga's novels, right? He he wrote yeah. the backstory to the governor, which we've read all of and talked about on yep. this show. So any of that could be picked up, and that was all written in conjunction with Kirkman, right? Any of that could be picked up and adapted to TV. So 
it kind of makes sense that it's the governor. And frankly, that would be okay. I, I don't mind that. I think there's probably some interesting story there. Well, in fact, I know there is. Whether it converts to TV well, I don't know, but uh, it might be fun to find out. So, Sorry, what's the quote again? I'm going to pick it apart a little bit. Um, well, I, I, I didn't write down the exact quote, but he said, working on something with one of the great Walking Dead villains of all time. Why does that have to be somebody we know at the moment? Mm, come on, he wouldn't be talking about a <laughs> new character. <laughs> well, all I can think of at this plate, this time and, and place is Governor Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch. I'll grant you that. But uh, you know, maybe he's one of maybe that. Uh, uh, the T T eight T six hundred T eight hundred. What the hell was he? The, Schwar- the uh, Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Character? I don't know. I think it was T eight hundred. Anyway, sure. maybe he's one of the bad guys of uh, of the Walking Dead universe uh, because he's the original Terminator. He came back in time to fight zombies. Well, especially if the T one thousand is now on the show, why can't T eight hundred be on the show? Yeah. So that's why I wanted to pick it apart. Did he say, you know, one of the bad guys that we, great bad guys that we know about, or did he say just one of the bad guys of the walking dead universe, meaning they're going to create this awesome bad guy in the walking dead universe. Anyway, it's a bit of a stretch. I'll grant you that. For sure. Well, the other thing he said is that we are working on a straight walking dead comedy right now. We're not making declined. (laughs) He said, we're not making fun of our world but it's a comedic take on our world. Nope. Don't know what that means, but... Rejected. I can't, I can't deal. Okay. No, no comedy. No, 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 no. We have Shaun of the Dead. That's enough. Uh, don't fuck with Shaun of the Dead, man, for sure. Uh, no, I mean, as far as comedy, zombie, rum, comedy, that, you know, we have that. That's done, right? Yeah. That is, it's in the can. We don't need any more. That is taken care of. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead perfected the zombie rom-com. You, and you can't get better than perfection. So there you go. And they don't make fun of zombies. The zombies aren't comedy. No. They, 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 there's comedy uh, that includes zombies, but the zombies are all very real. It's just a comedy that's set in the same. Anyway, go on about Shaun of the Dead. But we don't need to go there. Don't do it. No. I reject it. Declined. Okay. As an audience member, I am vetoing this concept. All right. Well, Skimple, Skimple Gimple, did you hear that? Um, Jason declines and rejects your idea so uh shit can it right now yeah done okay that's it for the scott gimple quotes uh the walking dead amc holiday special was nothing special in my opinion so if you were you know if you have that queued up to watch you can probably skip it well here's my question were there any wookies like was there a wookie family uh no there were not there was not okay well, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just wanted to know. It was also not the first appearance of Boba Fett either. What do you mean? On the Chris, the, the, oh, uh, the Star Christmas Wars special? Christmas special from the 70s, that was the first Why, time Boba they, Fett appeared. Did they say that? No, I just happened to know that. I thought you were referencing it when you were asking if there were Wookiees there. <laughs> no, because there was Wookiees in the Christmas special, right? There was that Wookiee family? Yeah, I know. So I'm just wondering if they rehashed that kind of idea. Was there it was like a nice zombie family that sat down to a... Christmas dinner? There was not. Of there was not. Brains? It was pretty silly. All right. Okay, I got two more quick news items. Number one, AMC officially renewed Fear the Walking Dead for season seven. That's all I have to say about that, but season seven is going to happen. Uh, I agree that it's going to happen. Okay. 
And finally, you're familiar with the game Fortnite, right? I am. Have you ever played it? I have not. Oh, neither have I, but I am aware that it exists. For all you Fortnite players out there, Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, announced at the 2020 Game Awards, I think it was last week, that Daryl and Michonne will be playable characters in Fortnite, uh, either soon or maybe already as we are recording this. So if you're a Fortnite fan and a Walking Dead fan, you can play as Daryl or Michonne in Fortnite now. Exciting times. Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? I don't know anything about the game other than it seems popular. I'm not even sure if it's still popular, to be honest with you, but uh, it was never a thing for me. I know people that play it. Do you? I've heard of people that play it. It's it's popular amongst younger people, I think. Right. It's it's basically, a, you know, everybody gets together and tries to shoot each other. Well, I mean, that's many games, and I'm, I many, used to many, play many, games yeah. like that, so yeah, it's just not... In my, I'm not in the dem- demographic anymore for that one, I think. But if you are and you want to play Daryl and Michonne, now's your chance. Cool. All right, everyone, that is it for The Walking Dead News. We're going to take a really quick break to thank some of the people that have contributed to the podcast. And when we come back, we will discuss the new movie, The New Mutants. Stay with us. We'll be back shortly. Robert's got a quick hand. Plan. He's got a own cigarette Hanging out of his mouth He's a cowboy kid He found a six-shooter gun In his dad's closet In a box of fun things And I don't even know what But he's coming for you Yeah, he's coming for you I would just like to take a moment right now before we move on to thank a couple of people who have recently supported the podcast in a couple of different ways. First of all, Daniel B., who made a contribution via PayPal. And Daniel said, nice job on the podcast. Been listening for years. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel. And then Carol C., who became a new patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Thank you so much to you, Carol and Daniel, for uh, supporting us in, in that way. If you would like to support us as well, you can do so in one of those ways, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time contribution or patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make it will become a patron and make a small monthly pledge. Two great ways to help out. Another great way is to leave a a star rating on Apple podcasts for us or a review. A five-star rating would be fantastic. It is a good way to help get the word out and help get us some visibility with uh, Apple or, or other podcast directories that you might use, especially as we, you know, get into the new year and lead up to February when, you know, people will be thinking about the walking dead again. That would be wonderful. But thanks to everyone who supports us and everyone who listens. We do. Thank you. Okay, we are back, Jason, and it is time to talk about the new movie, The New Mutants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a film directed by Josh Boone. It is written by Josh Boone and Nate Lee. 
It stars Maisie Williams, who you may mm-hmm. remember from Game of Thrones. It stars Anna Taylor-Joy, Charlie Heaton, a guy you might know from Stranger Things. Also, Alice Braga and Blue Hunt. And the plot summary from IMDb is this. Five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. So this is a movie, Jason, that has had a difficult time getting released. I believe it was originally supposed to be released in early 2018. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it got delayed because Fox, I may be getting this wrong, but Fox was purchased by Disney, I think. So uh, anyways, there was a there was a exchange of money for companies and uh, whoever the purchasing company was, I believe was Disney, got the rights to this movie, decided to delay it for a while. Then it was going to come out and the pandemic hit. So that delayed it again. It was, of course, supposed to be in theaters um, and ultimately was released a few weeks ago, primarily on streaming services, I think, although maybe in some theaters uh, in international markets. So it's been sitting on the shelf for a while. Wow. Uh, But finally it's out and it's kind of an X-Men movie, but kind of not and kind of a Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, universe movie, but also kind of not. Right. And I only say it's MCU because, you know, it's Marvel, even though it's sort of not. <laughs> well, it had the Marvel logo at the beginning. It did. And, you know, for what it's worth, maybe it's Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So, Jason, having known all that and having seen the movie now, what did you think of The New Mutants? I thought this was the second worst John Hughes movies movie I've ever seen. <laughs> second worst. <laughs> this. So, are you comparing it to Breakfast Club? Uh, no, because that's one of the best. Correct. Yeah. I, I'm thinking like Curly Sue or Home Alone 3 or uh, Pretty in Pink. I wasn't a big fan of Pretty in Pink, but that's just a personal opinion. Sure. Most people love that movie. But it, it really did feel like a John Hughes kind of child actor coming of age. Uh, everybody's an archetype of a specific thing. Yeah. Uh, yet they have to come together to uh, achieve a common goal and to... Uh, get through the experience, breakfast clubby kind of thing, get through the experience so that they can be better people at the end of it. Uh, I didn't like this movie. Mm. <laughs> it it hasn't gotten very much love. Um, most people, most press and reviewers are sort of saying it's not bad per se, but it's, but it's not really good either. It's kind of boring you know, is what they're saying. Like it doesn't have much to say. It doesn't have a lot going on and there's just no real reason to watch it. It's kind of what the media is saying about this film. And it sounds like you sort of felt the same way. Like it's not terrible, but there's like nothing to it. I think it, it also, I was hoping that it was trying to be subversive in a certain kind of way, because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a movie about uh, six mutants, essentially, right? So we yep. have the five kid mutants, and then we have Dr. Reyes, Dr. Reyes, Dr. Reyes, Dr. Reyes, <laughs> uh, who's also a mutant who has um, force field powers, yep. essentially. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to spoil the movie. Well. But 
what was I going to say? I think it was maybe it was being subversive in that, uh, and I'm not sure subversive is the right word, but maybe it's trying to make me feel like a mutant with ESP because I kind of knew what was going to happen 30 seconds before everything happened. Interesting. Just, everything kind of made sense. Like, oh, okay, they're going to do that now. Oh, okay, they're going to do that now. Maybe they're making trying to make me feel like a, a mutant that has powers all of a sudden of, uh, you know, being able to tell the future 30 seconds from now. Mm, interesting you power. Think, you think, think that's what they were trying to do? Uh, probably not. No, I don't think so. Because that's the only real credit I can give to the movie is if they were trying to do that. Well, I, I, I was really kind of meh on this movie. Uh, I think, you know, it could be described in the same way that the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy describes Earth, which was mostly harmless. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah, I, there, there isn't a lot to it. I don't think it was a bad movie. And I kind of enjoyed the third act where they were just in the fight and they all this sort of bad dialogue was behind us and they were just fighting they're demons, essentially, to escape this place and kind of put their own, all five of them, all five of these young mutant characters, put their own troubled pasts behind them and move on to, into the future. And that's fine. I, I enjoyed that part of the movie, but is that enough to have a film that really says something or really, you know, gets an emotional reaction out of you? Probably not really. And, no. and that's sort of how I felt. The other thing I, I realized, it's a very, very small sort of local film, right? I think superhero films have a tendency to try and go big or go home, you know, like yep. even in origin stories, there's usually some sort of, at the very least, city threatening villain, if not world threatening villain. And the superheroes have to deal with that whether it's the first time they've done this or the hundredth time they've done it. But this one really kept it together. And I, I think actually this is kind of a credit to the film. I must admit they, they kept it small, really self-contained. They tried to make it about the dynamic between these kids and not introduce this massive villain that they have to come together to fight. I mean, that's in the film, but at least it all takes place within this hospital that they're in. And you know, it's, it's not beyond that there, no one else, no one else's life is at stake really. Right. The general right. public isn't in danger here. It's just, it's just them. And I appreciate it. I appreciated that because it's an origin story. And frankly, if they decide to make more new mutant movies in this franchise, it's going to be easy to make the stakes bigger the next time because the stakes felt, you know, very personal this time. There's a, they can't make another one of these, right? There's no way they're going to make another one of these. Oh, I, I mean, who knows how they decide to make movies now? I mean, with movies not going in theaters and just being for rent on streaming services, you know, sequels are decided on based on how much money the movie makes oftentimes, not always, but often. Yeah. In this case, they have to completely recalibrate their metrics, I think, because it wasn't in theaters, but who knows, maybe this was in theaters in China and made a billion dollars. Like I, I didn't look that up. I have no idea. And if it did, there's probably a good chance they're going to make another one of these. I'm sure the intention two or three years ago when they were making this film was like, let's kick off the new mutants here. This is an X-Men universe movie. That was when Fox was still, you know, not owned by Marvel, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, things change. So who knows? I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maisie Williams, I like. I didn't like in this movie. Uh, Anna Taylor, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, I like. Uh-huh. I didn't like her in this movie. Adam Beach, I like. I liked them in this movie. It was a small part, but you know it's Adam Beach. You can't go wrong with Adam Beach. Wh- which one was he? He was the father. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, the father. Yeah, a small part at the beginning. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah Manitoba. He's Canadian. He is indeed. indeed. Yeah, flags of our fathers, uh, the wind talkers. He's in all kinds of stuff. I like Adam Beach. I'll watch anything with Adam Beach. I was excited to see that see him in this. Sure. I, I was excited to see that his name was attached to this, and then I saw his part. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. He was in it less than the bear. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Right? Less than the CG bear. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like you say, it wasn't a, a world-threatening villain. It wasn't a city-threatening villain. It was more of a church-threatening villain. It was. Like, he kind of beat up a church for a while. Well, I give the movie credit for that because it would have felt even dumber if suddenly there was some, like, global catastrophe that these kids had to deal with. When we know that the X-Men exist in this universe, like if that's, if it's that big a problem, where are the X-Men? So, but let me ask you a question here. I don't sure. think, I don't think they did a great job of, um, kind of telling us enough about these characters. And the more I thought about it, the more I kind of got out of it, but I wanted to ask you a question and see if you could do this. Can you sure. tell me, Jason, based on, yeah. I assume you're a single viewing of this movie, what each character's power was? Okay. So there was the flame guy. So let's, there let's, was, let's, I got them written down here. So we got the main, who was ba- basically the main character, Danny Moonstar. Okay. Played by right. Blue Hunt. Can you, def- can you tell me, explain to me what her power was? Uh, Without looking it up. Here. <laughs> no, let me see which one she is. Oh, right. She had that one. Uh, this one was relatively obvious to me because she brings up bad memories and makes them real. Right. Okay. So that one, that one I got fairly early on. All right. Well, uh, well here's, the, here's the description of it from the, okay. the movies pay, uh, MD, um, Wikipedia page. She has empathic psi abilities to communicate with animals and people as well as create three dimensional images of visual concepts from within the minds of others or minds of herself and others. Her most developed ability allowed her to manifest people's fears or desires as realistic illusions. Well, you know, that's a fancy way of saying what I said. Agreed. She, Agreed. Obviously, she needs psi ability to read people's minds in order to bring up their worst fears and make them real. Right. And ultimately, that's what the movie was. She brought those out of the other characters and they kind of had to fight them off and put those fears behind them, conquer their fears, basically. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. They didn't really need to conquer their fears. They needed to fight the manifestations that this crazy person was developing. Uh, it wasn't, you know, their fear that was the problem. It was this friggin' lady that was manifesting them as reality and coming back at you. It's not, uh, you know, they might be okay with their fears, but there's you still got to fight a crazy priest with a fucking red hot poker. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. His name was Happy. His name was Happy. <laughs> the, I know. But the actor's name was Happy Anderson. I love that. That's probably the second best part of the movie, oh, other great. than Adam Beach. But symbolically, that's what they were doing. They were conquering their fears, right? I mean, literally and symbolically in the film. I think. I'm not sure. I mean, they're conquering. They're physically fighting things that 
they were originally afraid of. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's conquering their fears. Well, I think that's what right? it's supposed to mean. Like they're in this place and they have these troubled pasts and it's causing them mental anguish and bringing them out and conquering them is what they needed to do to all come together and escape this hospital. Right. Okay. So let's say I'm afraid of the dark. Sure. Okay. I'm afraid of the dark. Me conquering my fear is to uh, put that aside and do something in the dark that needs to be done. It's not fighting a smoke monster that is manifested, you know, the manifest manifestation of dark itself. And I, and I have to swing a battle axe at it in order to fight it. I'm not fighting my fear. I'm fighting a goddamn smoke monster that sure is a manifestation of what I was afraid of, but I'm not conquering my fear. I'm fighting a goddamn monster. But how do you, how do you, uh, portray that on screen by showing the manifestation of the fear and sh- the character defeats it and moves on? Yeah, but I don't think that's them fighting their fear. I think them, that's them fighting monsters that look like their fear. All right, fine. But I think uh, it's, six it's of a one and difference. half dozen of the other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's go back to more powers. All right, uh, so Sam, character. played by yeah. Charlie Heaton. What was his power? Uh, Sam was the speed guy, right? Yes. So there, he's he runs fast. All right. Uh, so th- Through so, things, sort of like uh, what we talked about in uh, The Boys. You know, the fast guy, every once in a while, he runs through a person. Sure, yeah. Well, the description from the page is fly at jet speed. (laughs) So not just running, but flying too. And that's what we see him in the movie. Oh, yeah, he can fly. Yeah, you're right. Chained to that brick and flying around, can't control it, right? So Anna Taylor-Joy, who plays Ileana, uh, what was her power? This this one to me is the most vague. No, she could, uh, she could teleport to her safe place her happy place. That's not so happy anymore. Uh-huh. And she had a lightsaber arm. So the description on this one is interdimensional sorcery powers, whatever that means. Well, that's kind of vague. I mean, sorcery right. powers are kind of all over the map. You, the schools of sorcery, you know, illusion, evocation, invocation, uh, you know, conjuration, mm-hmm. abjuration. There's all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, so that's kind of vague. Sure, she can open up a portal to uh, a previously happy place that now is not so happy. I'm not really sure what the hell was going on with that place. Well, that I'm, I wasn't sure either about that, but uh, you're right. Her sword arm was, or her metal arm was pretty cool looking. I thought her powers were the best looking in the movie, which was, which is a weird way to describe it, but they were, they were sort of fun. Oh, and she was a super bitch. <laughs> right? That's that's a power? Okay. Well, yeah, it was it seemed to be amped up to 11, right? I think it was more more it was beyond, you know, just being a crappy person. Mm-hmm. Like it was like this is the ultimate crappy person that all of a sudden is likable for some reason halfway through the movie. Well, that that goes back to your uh John Hughes reference that these these characters had to get to know each other and you know, come together as a team, realize each other's differences and realize that they're stronger together than apart. You know, this is, this is their high school, um, stereotypes, each of these in a way. Yeah. And she could tell when people were lying without a lie detector, even though they had a lie detector. Yes, that's true. I forgot about that scene. That's right. <laughs> okay. So Rain plays by, played by Maisie Williams. This is probably the most obvious. She turns into a dog. Wolf. She's lycanthropy. She's a werewolf, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's not lycanthropy. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, she can turn into a dog. 
Okay. <laughs> and finally- I mean, sure, wolf, whatever. But it's not, you know, lycanthropy is, you don't have control over it. It happens at the full moon, whether you like it or not. You know, that's more teen wolf than, uh, you know, that's what teen wolf is mm-hmm. more than what she is. Yeah. Even though teen wolf, he could turn into a, a wolf at any time he wanted to play basketball. Is that a John Hughes movie? I don't know if that's John, John Hughes. Hughes. I just know it's a Michael J. Fox. Anyways- uh, finally, Roberto, pr- played by Henry Zaga, he was the fire guy. Flame on. Yeah, flame on. Right. Uh, th- that description technically there is manipulate solar energy. That was not apparent. He just got hot when he got horny. So <laughs> he had to tap into his horniness in order to fight the bad guys. <laughs> right. Now, uh, you know, laying it all out like that, and the more I thought about it, I sort of got on board. but. At the end of the movie, I sat there going, I don't, I think it's a failure of this movie that they don't really define their powers all that clearly. Maybe it's done a little bit better than I caught on to, but I think it's not quite as clear as it needs to be. And maybe that's on purpose because one of the points of this film is that these characters are sort of discovering their powers, right? Powers don't, you know, mutations don't generate powers in this universe usually until puberty and these characters aren't too far past that, I suppose. And so maybe that was kind of the point, but it, bu- it bugged me a bit. I also am willing to admit that I didn't know anything about these characters going into this movie, even though the, they are uh, existing characters from Marvel Comics from a long time ago. And there are people going in, you know, who know these ones very well. So it might be much more obvious to them what's going on. But for some reason, I just wasn't familiar with any of them. All of these characters have like superhero names too, which they don't get into in the film. But if you know them from the comics, they, uh, they're there. So there's the dog lady and Ben and, uh. (laughs) The human torch. No, wait. (laughs) (laughs) He was denied a bank loan. I've heard that. I've heard that too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, the only one that I think I know is that, uh, Sam, Charlie Heaton, I believe he goes by cannonball, uh, okay. in the comics. You sure it's not Doyle? I'm sure that's a pretty good superhero name. <laughs> if I, if I was a superhero and I do have a superpower, uh-huh. I don't know if you know this, but I can yell at Mach 1. Whoa, really? Amazing. Yeah, I can. I can, I can yell at Mach 1 and my super ho- superhero name would be Doyle. <laughs> Here comes Doyle. He's going to yell really fast. <laughs> that's right. Mach one, baby. Yeah. That's um, as fast as a jet. That's right. Okay. So I wasn't super impressed with the character sort of definitions in the movie, but I'm willing to admit it might not have been as terrible as I thought. But the other thing too, is that sometimes movies, you know, ask us to believe things that are hard to believe. And one of the things that bugged me a immensely about this that they're in this whole hospital there's five characters in this hospital the whole place is run by a single doctor and i know she has these powers too she could keep force fields around the place but i'm sitting there going really there's no medical support staff here there's no cleaning staff it just i think it sucks the believability out of this a little bit by not having anyone of those around. And I think if a movie is going to ask you to believe something big, like superpowers, they have to include the little bits of realism to make you not worry about that stuff. So you can spend all your suspension of disbelief on the superpowers. Well, so one thing that the movie did fool me from the beginning, 
uh, when it was first, it was first time Dr. Reyes said, uh, you know, open the door or unlock the door so she could go in, uh, to that room, which yep. didn't make any sense. Uh, but as soon as she said that, I'm like, oh, she's speaking to a super intelligent computer system. Okay. That's what I assumed what was happening was that obviously there's voice recognition and I could, you know, program Siri to unlock a door if I say unlock the door, right? That's probably one of those things that Alexa could do, for example, mm-hmm. for home automation. I don't know why you would want to do that, but whatever. Uh, so I, I guess the movie did fool me. It wasn't a supercomputer. Okay. Well, fair enough. No supercomputers. No. But, but what time frame was this set in? Like that TV that they were watching uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on yeah. was circa 2002, maybe? If that. Like, it seemed pretty old. It, yeah, it was late 90s, early 2000s type of TV. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and the, the monitors where she was monitoring everything was also, they were all CRT monitors. There were not, no flat screens, right? No. So what year was this set in? I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, I, either they're just using really old tech or it was set back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. All right. That, you know, that's good enough for me. I don't know. I, I just think that the movie asks you to, the movie doesn't give us a lot, in my opinion. It asks you to accept a lot of things and everything before the third act of the film, which was the big fight scene. I had trouble kind of just buying into, but once I could kind of put all that behind me, stop worrying about it and just enjoy the fight. I did think those smiling men guys were kind of creepy. Uh, the, they were, you know, and the, the demon fear dog, like, you know, you called it a big smoke monster. It's essentially what it was. The characters, as we've already discussed, were in a way facing their fears or at least fighting them. So I, I was kind of okay of, of all that. And, you know, I guess ultimately the message of this film is like, it takes help from others to get through challenging times. Maybe. I don't know, you know? Maybe. If, Maybe. if you're in trouble, if you're in, uh, if, if you have a challenge ahead of you, it's made better by having good people or helpful people around you. I think that's a stretch a little bit to apply to this film, but if I take away anything from it, maybe that's what it is. Puberty is hard. <laughs> and it, it totally, and it takes, you know, parents, friends, whatever to help you get through it. So, yeah, I don't know. There, there wasn't a lot here. I'm kind of indifferent on the film. Uh, I was kind I was in a way expecting some sort of X-Men cameo at some point. I mean, that would have been fun, but I'm also not surprised it didn't happen. So yeah, that's it. I, I don't know what else to say about this movie that is very flat and kind of boring, but not the worst thing I've seen. Let me ask you a question. Sure. You have an unconscious person that you've brought into your uh, hospital slash prison. You've locked them in a room. Why would you handcuff them to a bed that's on wheels in that room? Right. So that happens at the beginning of the film. She wakes up. She's handcuffed to the bed. The bed's on wheels. She has free run of the room. The room is locked. Mm-hmm. The doctor comes into that room and unlocks her immediately. Why the fuck did she need to lock her to that bed? I mean, is the doctor's afraid of her using her powers? Not that her powers would, uh, not that a, being handcuffed to the bed would have any impact on the effect of her powers. But they I don't know what her powers were either. I was going to say, she doesn't know what they are yet. So maybe it's just to restrain her in that way in case she's, her powers could help her in some way, but. 
You're right. It didn't seem to make much sense to chain someone to the bed for any reason. One arm. Just chained one arm to the bed. Not even two arms. It wasn't even like patient restraints like in no. uh, T2 when uh, Linda Hamilton was chained to the bed or strapped <laughs> to the bed. In the... Uh, no. So back to T2. I don't know. I mean, chaining people or handcuffing to people to beds is a movie thing. It happens. It seems like it happens all the time. You know? I'm sure it happens in real life too, but you know, those hospital beds, they don't move very far. Right. And right. the idea is that they don't get up and sneak out. It's hard to sneak out with a hospital bed from a hospital. <laughs> right. I, I'm assuming I've never seen anybody try. I'm sure somebody could with the right distractions, but she's locked in the room. It didn't make any, so right from that get go, I was like, I'm like, okay, there's some kind of weird, uh, she, obviously they're, they're her, from the very beginning, uh, when she was running away from her house and her dad was hiding her and said he had to go back. I'm like, first of all, he's dead. Second of all, it's her powers causing this, obviously. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't know what her powers are, but I knew that. Uh, and then she woke up. So that was obvious. And then she woke up in a bed and she's chained to it and it didn't make any sense. I'm like, this movie's crap. <laughs> like it's just, it's telegraphed the quality of the movie. Right from the get-go. She's chained to the bed. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> she's chained to the bed. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. She can run, walk all over the place. Uh, she's chained to the bed. And then as soon as the doctor comes in, she unchains her from the bed. It's like, why exactly was she chained to the bed? Why couldn't she just get up and go, hey, hello? And then you go into the room. Yeah. Right? Or she has monitors. She obviously was monitoring her and there was some kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, vital sign monitor built into the camera system. Like there was that, the, the camera with the red eye, mm -hmm. like that's Hal. It's gotta be Hal. There's gotta be a sentient computer system here. Uh, anyway. But there wasn't, I mean, the camera systems not only had vital sign monitor, but like super power sign monitors, right? Yeah. They could monitor psionic ability. That, you know, that's pretty standard. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when the cameras, uh, the, when somebody was watching through the cameras, a little red light would come on. But like, only when they're that's watching? A thing. Yeah. Only when they're watching. Right. Like that's a thing. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. It, it was, uh, it, it, none of it made very much sense. And that's unfortunate because I like movies like this. It could have, uh, it, it could have been so much more, I think. And, um, oh, and two things. One, where did, uh, where did the, the Anna, Anya Taylor Joy get the spray paint can to spray paint the fucking fountain outside? Like they're not allowed to go anywhere. I think there's a store that sells spray paint. Anyway, and also uh, they drugged Dr. Reyes. It's like, oh, I put a, I, I drugged her tea. Like, uh, excuse me, where did you get such drugs? Like, how did you drug her tea from where? What? Explain yourself. Right. But see, this is the problem with movies like that. Those sorts of things, they just consider not important. It's just like, you know what? We need this to happen. How are we going to make that happen? Oh, they can drug her tea. Where do they get the drugs? doesn't matter. Like this is, this I, is, I tell you, I have the run of the free world. Essentially. I can go anywhere I want. I'm an adult human male. I can go to the drugstore. I can go to a grocery store. I can go to the hardware store. There is no way in hell I could figure out a way to drug somebody's tea so they fall asleep. <laughs> well, of course there is, <laughs> if you really wanted to, but the point is. But I don't know how to do that. I mean, who gets uh, over the counter sleeping pills? Do they even have those? Maybe some. NyQuil or NyQuil or whatever they have or DayQuil, you, you know, you, you have to drink a, like a fucking metric gallon of that thing. Metric gallon. That's funny. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you have to drink a whole bunch of it in order to fall asleep. It might make you a little logy and sleepy, but you taste it. How do you put
put a dropper of something in their tea so that they don't taste it, knocks them out cold until the alarm goes off, of course. Of course. But it's just it's like, uh, where, 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 is there a pharmacy? Like, where did you get that? Do you have a drug lab? Yeah. Do you have, is that part of your superpowers? If it was part of your superpowers, no problem. But like, anyway. But it wasn't. Just, there was just a lot of crap like that in this movie that bugged yeah. me. Far too much, far too much stuff like that, that was unexplained, didn't make sense, and ultimately ended up in a pretty silly, kind of boring movie, so. Yeah, and not nearly enough Adam Beach. No, needed more Adam Beach, so. Yeah. Well, anyways, too bad the New Mutants, um, not so hot, who knows if we're going to get more, uh, I feel like the X-Men cinematic universe is pretty dead right now totally and someday it will be resurrected by kevin feige the head of marvel and they will become part of the marvel cinematic universe and that will be exciting x-men is sort of like the terminator franchise (laughs) okay started off we're back to terminator yes of course It, it started off really good but then it went off the rails and then it was completely worthless and then somebody revived it and it was still garbage so, well, yeah, I mean, there was, there's a lot of crappy X-Men, like even X2 and X3 with all the, so much Halle Berry. Uh, it's just bad. Wait a minute. X2 is the best of all the X-Men movies. I mean. Which one was X2? Uh, X2 is the one that starts with the White House sequence of Nightcrawler teleporting around. Oh, Nightcrawler is pretty cool. Yeah. I like Nightcrawler. A- X1 I didn't mind X2, I thought was, was quite good. There are other good movies in the franchise, but like they didn't do a good job of, in my opinion, keeping it a focused, cohesive story. Like I lost track of what the hell was going on shortly after those, those original first three X-Men movies. Yeah, and then they had X-Men Origins Wolverine. Well, but even outside of that, just with the different timelines, the two different, the old characters and the young characters, um, they did cross them over at one point, but I just couldn't ever keep track of who was what and why was where and all these sorts of things. So I do hope they are able to resurrect the X-Men somehow um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe someday in the future. But I feel like it's going to be 10 years before they do that. They're going to let it sit for a while and then bring it back when people really want it. Yeah, but they kept doing, they kept trying that with Terminator and it didn't work, right? They tried yeah, resurrecting true. Terminator and it's just like, well, that one sort of kind of worked. It had a Game of Thrones lady in it and that was garbage. Mm-hmm. Then they brought Linda Hamilton back. It's like, all right, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton. Why exactly is the Terminator old? Oh, he wanted to get old so he could blend in. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then uh, they stopped Skynet, but uh, a, another omnipotent organization with tra- time travel travel powers replaced it. So why is it different than Skynet? There's no reason. No, I don't know. I didn't even see all the subsequent Terminator movies. Some of them I have, but not all. It's, it's you know, <sighs> Yeah. Don't it's, bother. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Um, one last question. I mean, the Deadpool movies were pretty good and they're sort of X-Men universe movies. Like he goes to the X-Men mansion, so... Well, they're not really, well, yeah. Okay. I'll give you that, mm-hmm. but it's rated R and it's got Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's I'm fine. A, I've, I've always been a big fan of Ryan Reynolds. Me too. Um, what about Logan? Like Logan has to be an X-Men movie, right? And it was rated R and really, really good. I don't know if I, it was okay. What I had mean? problems with it. No, and Logan was probably the 
well, I just said X2 was the best, but I almost sort of consider them separate. But Logan was really good, man. <sighs> Anyways, yeah. that may be a different conversation. I, I can't think of specific problems with it, <laughs> uh, but it was okay, I suppose. All right. Well, RIP, the X-Men universe. Hopefully it comes back someday and is glorious. But for now, let's just leave it alone, put it to bed. It's sad that it had to end with the New Mutants, but here we are. Why do they have to bring it back? They don't have to bring it back. There's no reason they can't come up with a new idea rather than having to resurrect old ones. No, I understand. I mean, but I, I, think... I know what Hollywood is, and I understand that, you know, by resurrecting this stuff, they can tie in the nostalgia and get, you know, at least a few dollars that way. Sure. But what I'm trying to say is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which they are now someday going to be a part of, I assume, is moving ahead into the future. Not only that, but don't forget, this is all Disney. So Disney Plus is a massive opportunity. Like, what if we got a serialized Wolverine TV show on Disney Plus? Like, that might be really cool. So I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. There was, there was so much with, uh, like, Arrow and Deadpool and uh, Iron Fist and all that stuff. Uh, the Flash, there's just, there's so much out there. I can't keep up. Right. And I, I really wanted to watch, uh, Daredevil. I really liked the first couple of episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, now I have almost no interest in it whatsoever. They, it, they, I watched two of the seasons. They're good. I know. I know that, but there's just, there's so much content in well, that, uh, you know, making a Wolverine television series sounds like a fantastic idea. There's a 99% chance I'll never watch it. Well, I understand there's too much content out there. Of course there always will be, but I managed to watch 22 Marvel movies and fall in love with like almost all of them and, and, you know, get through that. And movies are easier, I guess. If there's did you watch 14 all TV of, shows. Did you watch all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. That was I, in the Marvel Universe? I didn't watch any of it. I, I know. I, I made the conscious decision at one point that I wasn't going to because I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, now to be fair, there wasn't a pandemic happening at the time because I've watched a lot of TV shows in the last eight months, many that I would never have watched before because we're stuck at home and, uh, some are good, some are bad, but you know, hopefully, I mean, I'd rather not have a pandemic, but at the same time, there's a lot of new content coming on a lot of these streaming services, mostly Disney plus, to be honest. Uh, right. We could do a whole podcast probably on all of the Star Wars content that was announced last week coming soon, oh, uh, which is all Disney, of course. So you're right. There's there's too much. We're not going to be able to see it all. But if you could pick and choose, I think I would watch an X-Men or, you know, Wolverine or individual character TV show about one of those characters. Star Wars is another thing that need to leave alone for a while. I mean, I understand Mandalorian. I have not seen it. Uh, I've seen like most of the first season and I plan on catching up on it. Uh, but if you, what you're saying, what you just said was that there's a whole bunch of new Star Wars television content coming out on Disney plus worries me. It's going to saturate it. And I'm worried that there's going to be so much that I'll never get caught up on Mandalorian. And I really want to get caught up on Mandalorian. Okay. Well, what you need to do. And as we wrap up here, finally, what you need to do is make a conceited effort, concerted effort <laughs> to... I am conceited. I'll be, that's fine either way. That too, to watch Mandalorian. Uh, <sighs> you've seen season one, watch season it. two. 
All all of season one except the last episode. That's insane, A, because it's been <laughs> sitting there for a year. Um, yeah. So that should be easy to finish that off. Well, and- I got to start over. And it's it's a problem with me and my wife, right? It's, uh, it's the fact that we both want to watch it together. So we have to find time where we're A, both awake, B, both sitting in the living room at the same time, yeah. and C, Jasper has to be asleep. And it don't, that convergence of uh, things only happens once every three weeks. Yeah, fair enough. I, I get it. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you that Jasper is old enough to watch The Mandalorian, but other than the violence, he might not be too far away. And if he's into Star Wars, if he's into Star Wars, that might be a fun thing to watch with him. He really likes (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Well. He loves Scooby-Doo. And actually, we've been watching a lot of Mystery Incorporated. It's a surprisingly good show. Okay. Well. Like, I'm a little bit shocked at, you know, the... uh, uh, the character development and the, uh, you know, the richness of the universe that they, that they have. It's, it's quite surprising. Interesting. Well, I, I don't know that one, but I'll add it to my list. <laughs> sure. Um, anyways, we've, we've kind of veered off into a, an after hours segment here without even knowing it, but, uh, yep, pretty sure too much content, lots of star Wars stuff coming maybe lots of X-Men stuff coming, more Marvel stuff coming. And Jason has a, doesn't have time for any of it. So that's sad. Yeah. Anyways, you got to watch The Mandalorian season two. Uh, and then you can join us for an episode on the season, on a podcast of The Mandalorian show when we do season three a year from now. So, yeah, I would like that. I would like time. That. People have requested you there. I'm just saying. I would like to do that. I, you know, if I could uh, convince my wife to let me watch the episodes, watch the show without her, sure. I could probably do that soon. But, we need uh, we need some time to get it together. I fear, I hear you. I, I, you know, I understand. Our, my life in that respect has gotten easier because the kids are older. They don't even want to hang out with us much anymore. So we can spend all night watching TV every day if we want. And that's how we've watched like 25 different shows over the last summer. So someday, 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 someday he'll ignore us right now. It's, he's very interested in having us help him do whatever he feel like, feels like doing at any given moment. Sure. Got it. Well, that's okay too. Those are, you know, cherish yeah. the years. <laughs> yes. They fly by. All right. Should we finish it off here? I think we should wrap sure, things sure. up. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. This is likely our last podcast before the holidays, before Christmas, before whatever you do to celebrate, if anything, you know, over the next few weeks. So I, I just want to say thanks again to everyone for another fantastic year. We, we hit 500 episodes this year. We talked about lots of great Walking Dead stuff. We got, and some not so great Walking Dead stuff. We, you know, we covered other shows, other movies, and uh, discovered things like One Cut of the Dead, which I probably never would have watched if it wasn't no. for this show. So true. Um, it was a fantastic year and thank you so much to everyone for sticking with us. I mean, it was a fantastic year podcast wise, not in really any <laughs> other way, but yeah, what can you do? Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. We hope you get some enjoyment out of this. And, uh, I certainly know that we do from producing it and, and having you all on board. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy some time off. I hope 
over the holiday season, whatever it is you do, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all those things. Uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, don't do anything crazy on New Year's. These are all going to be important things, at least for the next little while. And let's hope that uh, all the good news about vaccines and stuff like that really is good news. And we can put all this behind us someday in 2021. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, in the meantime, everyone, if you would like to get in touch with us, by all means, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. You can record a message that will get sent in to us. I love getting audio messages. You can also do that by recording with the voice memo app on your phone or whatever app on your phone you use to record audio. That is a fantastic way to do it. And you can email those recordings or any other, you know, thoughts or comments or questions you have to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. All right, everyone, once again, have a fun, healthy and happy holiday season. Say hi to your moms for us. And until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>